Hello and welcome to the Glampshire Podcast, where we talk about the experiential outdoor hospitality industry and glamping. I'm your host, Bobby Marsden. We are now in episode 14 of season two of the Glampshire Podcast, and that means we are back with Etienne White and Heartsong Farm. Last we left Etienne, she was at the verge of completing her construction and working to try and get her first booking. We're going to find out how all of that is going in this episode. Did she complete her construction? Was she able to get a booking? We'll find all that out and more. So without further ado, let's dive in to episode 14 of season two of the Glamshawary podcast with Etienne White and Heartsong Farm. Well, hello, Etienne. Good to see you again. Great to see you again, too. <laughs> well, uh, I'm assuming a lot has happened since last we spoke because I know you were in the final stages of, of getting your A-frame put up, uh, but you also had some challenges with crew, which sometimes unfortunately rears its ugly head right when you don't need it to. So yeah. <laughs> what's what's the status with everything? Has the A-frame been completed? Were you able to get crew locked in again? Uh, how are yeah. things going? Yes. So we are complete, but we did not meet our original deadline, um, which is fine. I was reminded during this process, I was getting up, like I was getting up at five in the morning to go paint things. I was, you know, off to work, working until nine at night, sanding and grouting and just doing whatever I could do when the crew wasn't here to kind of move us along. Um, but yeah, we ended up being late and I sort of spoke earlier in one of our other episodes about, you know, life and death situations and there had been a death along the way. Um, and then my general contractor had said all the way through, um, you know, my wife's pregnant and we're expecting and we're expecting right around the time of your deadline. And so sure enough, um, a baby came. Um, so we had death and we had life, life and death, right? Um, and he had to take, obviously, had to, um, a couple of days off. Even he only really took a few, which I felt bad for him. Um, but obviously he took a couple of days off to be with wife and baby. And so, you know, those two things kind of delayed us. We were already, though, on such an accelerated timeline. And I was reminded, I was, you know, I was very stressed. I was losing sleep. I was doing my full-time job, running a farm, being a parent, and then on top of it, trying to, you know, fill in, literally fill in the cracks um, on this project. And I was reminded I used to work, back when I was at Fallon, I used to work with um, some great Brazilian people at the Fallon Brazil office. And there's this wonderful phrase, which I can't remember how you say it in Brazilian Portuguese, um, but it's something that they always said at the agency. And I thought it was such a great antithesis to the sort of hustle culture that we have in the U.S., Anyway, it loosely gets translated to something like, don't swim so hard to get to the shore that you die upon arrival. And that was how I was feeling um, in the last kind of week or 10 days there of like, okay, I'm starting to feel like I might just hit a burnout wall. So maybe I don't want to swim so hard to the shore that I'm dead on arrival. Um, and so it just became clear that we were going to be late. We were going to, you know, not make our deadline. And again, um, no, thankfully, you know, Airbnb didn't have any penalty or there was no financial, you know, incentive associated with it. I'm sure that others in the competition were late too. They sort of hinted at it in one of their emails. And so, you know, it's really interesting because once we'd missed that deadline, the work became joyful again. We were so stressed trying to make it. And once we'd accepted that that deadline had gone, um, you know, everyone kind of brought joy back into the job again. So it was a really great learning in that respect. But yes, we are all done down to 
the correct fire extinguishers in the correct places, smoke alarms, all, you know, final trim, uh, you know, uh, grouting and sealing, like all the last little bits, we are done. So, um, and I really didn't realize how much stress it had been adding. Just, I don't know if it's background or foreground by the end, but I went to bed um, the night that it was kind of all finished and I just, I slept like a log. I was just out and um, I didn't sort of wake up at two in the morning going, oh, I have a list by my bed of like things I think of in the night when I wake up and I didn't have to wake up and write anything down. And I woke up the next day knowing that it was just going to be a normal day, not like a superhuman day where we had so much that, you know, the impossible had to happen. And that just uh, felt delightful as well. So yeah, we're, we're all good. We're ready to go. I have it listed. I have some bookings already, which is um, amazing. I'm very excited about that. Um, and so, yeah, so we'll see what happens next. Well, congratulations, sincerely. I know it's been, I wouldn't say a rocky ride, but definitely a challenging ride as anything is, I think of this size and nature to try and pull off in the time that you did it. So uh, kudos again to you for sticking with it and continually finding ways to pivot. And also it sounds like sometimes you do have to be flexible and take what the universe gives you. And that's just, that's how life goes. That's how business goes. It's kind of one and the same, but you're here, you made it. You have some bookings. Congratulations. Um, One thing we touched on in the last episode that I really enjoy learning about are all of the little fine details that start to happen once you have this structure put up, you have the fire extinguishers, you have the smoke detectors, you have all Mm -hmm. the things that you need. Now it's time to have some fun and put some of the design details in there that people will often remember. They may remember the fire extinguisher, but they'll (laughs) certainly remember something (laughs) cheese centric, maybe. Yeah. Yes. What what are some of the fun things that you were able to put in? Like, what's the bed like? What are the sheets like? Yeah. What kind of cheese things do you have going on in the cheese yeah. cabin? Tell us about some of those details. So actually, upon your suggestion, um, I did look up and see that you can get little packs. They're like little packs of cards, but they're cheesy jokes. And so we have <laughs> a couple of uh, cheesy joke uh, things. I have a great little selection of books books on cheeses in Wisconsin, books on the history of cheese. There's one, I think it's called Sex, Cheese and Death, which I'm actually really wanting to read. (laughs) So there's a great array um, of books there. And then we've also found some cheese inspired board games for people, little cheese, uh, cheese wedge dice, all kinds of things. I've even got little uh, yellow cheese wedge doorstops. If you want the breeze through the cabin, you can use the little cheese wedges um, there. And then the kitchen area is all yellow and there's a yellow toaster and a yellow kettle and it kind of continues the kind of cheese theme, if you will. Um, and yeah, when it comes to like beds and linens, I've bought organic as much as possible. My towels, I was able to get both organic cotton and from a, a woman owned business, um, which I was really, really grateful for. And then actually something that has been um, a sort of unexpected uh surprising great find not cheese related but just works really well for the the cabin is i bought the beds there are two twin beds 
I bought them um, on the IKEA website and I've worked with IKEA in the past. I know their commitments towards keeping the planet to 1.5 degrees. I know about their wood sourcing and these are solid wood beds. So they're not sort of MDF with, you know, chemicals in there, even though IKEA are doing a great job trying to minimize the kinds of chemicals that they're using. So I already felt sort of good about it from a sustainability perspective, also, frankly, from an affordability perspective, but they're very low profile. And so given that we have the A-frame, you don't want a bed with a headboard that's going to sit too high because that's going to just minimize the space in the middle of the room. So they're very low profile, think like a sort of platform bed. Not only are they a great sustainability choice, but I didn't realize how flexible they are for this small space that I have. I have a 14 by 14 cabin, and so they can sit as twin beds. They actually are designed so that they can stack. So it can be a slightly higher up day bed. Or if you were just one person staying in the cabin, you'd have a sort of larger cabin experience with just one bed. And then they have this ingenious uh, little uh, sort of band and uh, and sort of locking mechanism where you can put the two beds together and they stay firmly together and it creates a king. Um, and so I do have in the bookings that are coming up a couple of couples. And so I've been able to offer people, you know, what configuration would you like the beds? Um, and it just gives me great flexibility. And so that's a really nice sort of upside that I had in, um, a surprise that I hadn't known I was getting into when I got those beds. And the mattresses too, I was very careful, you know, as an Airbnb owner, I've had an Airbnb um, property already for the last five years. And uh, you just know, and also as a, as a person, you know, when you go away on holiday, you want a good night's sleep. The last thing you want is an uncomfortable bed. And so um, top marks to Ikea, I paid a little bit extra for the nicer mattresses um, and they are really nice. And so it just makes for a lovely bed. There's no, I don't know how they do it, but there's no feeling of a join in the middle when those two beds are together. I went and tested it. It's a sort of seamless king size bed experience and so um so that's been great to uh to kind of stumble on that yeah and i like that option where you can change the configuration in there too it just kind of expands both kind of how you can configure that space but also how people can interact with that space as well so that's a nice little happy accident yeah it's great it offers so much flexibility it's wonderful cool well you have some bookings that's really mm -hmm. exciting what was it like when you saw those first bookings come in? So it's an actual guest that's going to come and experience what you've been working so hard to achieve. What was that first feeling like? That is a great question. And I think there's sort of a few ways to answer it, if you don't mind. Um, so obviously it felt exciting. It felt scary. Um, like, oh my goodness, is this really real? There have been all these stages along the way where it's like, you know, when the trusses first went up, I was like, wow, it's real, you know? And so getting it finished, wow, it's real. And then the first booking comes and you're like, okay, this is real, you know? Um, but what's also been a really nice surprise is, so I had put the pictures up and, and created a listing and then just kind of blocked out dates. So it was up there but obviously not ready to book right away. And I then slowly sort of filled in the photos as we went along and finished things up. Um, and so people were already booking before they could even see the interior of the cabin. Um, and so that kind of got me excited. And then also the sort of third level to that is when the property is completely finished is when I submit in a form to the OMG team um, for your property to be listed as an OMG property, you don't get to, as a host, just sort of 
decide that. You can decide that you're a cabin or a treehouse or a beach, but for the OMG, they have to sort of approve you into that, if you will. And I wasn't going to send them my link until everything was finished. So at one time they could see it all there in one way. And so I hadn't yet submitted to the OMG team and I hadn't yet got my OMG status and yet still I was getting bookings. Um, and so that was really exciting, just showing that there is, you know, an appetite to stay in a 19 foot huge wedge of cheese (laughs) (laughs) that people that people want to do that and that people want to come out to the farm and that people want a nature experience um was just really heartening so um so yeah even without sort of any pr or advertising behind it i got three bookings on the calendar for this month so um so it's exciting that's really exciting that's that's awesome and i would imagine once it gets into the omt category it's even going to exponentially grow from there well, yeah. that's great. And I'm very happy for you. Uh, again, congratulations. Uh, all the hard work has paid off. And now you have some guests coming, which we'll talk about in the next episode. I'm really excited to hear how that goes. Um, so I know you have a lot going on. You have farming, you have your full-time gig, you have the kids. <laughs> now you have this cheese cabin. So I'll let you get back to it, but I'm really looking forward to hearing how the stays go. And we'll talk about that in the next episode. Wonderful. Thanks, Bobby. Bye. Okay. Bye. I want to give a big congratulations to Etienne, well-deserved. She went through a lot of ups and downs, twists and turns. She made pivots. She did what every entrepreneur that succeeds does. They don't give up and they find ways to solve problems. So now she has bookings. We're going to talk about that in the next episode. We can't wait to hear how they all went. If you'd like to follow along and hear Etienne's last episode and see how all those bookings went at the Cheese Cabin, you can do so on our website which is www.glampshuary.com. Again, that is www.glamptuary.com. You can also follow along on Apple Podcasts, Pandora Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube. We don't care where you follow us. We just ask that you follow. We'll see you on the next episode.